1: What's going on, guys? Andrew Claudio here with a quick programming note. This is part two of not one, not two, not three, not four, but five parts cap or no cap, the Jalen Brunson plan. Uh, if you missed part one, potentially you're coming upon this without listening to it in your podcast feed. In part one, John and Jeremy recapped the week. They discussed Jalen uh, Brunson's dad now joining the next coaching staff and whether that matters. They discussed who he might be replacing in case. Johnny Bryant decides to leave for Utah or any other job, and what that could mean for the Knicks, uh, the, the Knicks' uh, future, whether it be replacing Tom Thibodeau or just losing a quality assistant head coach, another quality assistant head coach. They discuss Mark Berman, who appeared on this podcast feed. Shout out to Chris Persiani, and if you haven't checked out. Checked out that episode of Draft Class from this weekend. Uh, Mark drops a couple of nuggets that you might want to listen to if you're a Knicks fan. Even if you're not particularly even interested in the draft, you'll be interested in what Mark has to say. Shout out to Chris for doing that. John and Jeremy discussed all of the nuggets that they found interesting from that interview before diving into part one of Cap or No Cap, the Jalen Brunson plan and all the concerns and all of the fears. Here in part two, John and Jeremy are going to First, bring up my one of my favorite movies in Moneyball and discuss what Jalen Brunson does well. No, he doesn't get on base, but he does do one thing very well that Jeremy highlights in the first half before diving into some of the other numbers that he is really good at, as well as other people that are paid the same as Jalen Brunson, where you might think he's not worth $20 million. And then Jeremy goes through the other guards that are around his height and around his quality and are also being paid around the same amount if you've already listened to part one here it is part two cap or no cap the jalen brunson plan
2: So those are the fears. Now, John, you've seen Moneyball. <laughs> yes, I have. I, Great love Moneyball. Movie. I rewatched it like a couple weeks ago. It's yeah. fantastic. It's propaganda because they leave out so many good players that the athletics actually had, but who cares? It's a fun baseball mean, like, the movie. Three Cy Young award. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Barry Zito. I don't even know who that is. Apparently.
1: Miguel That's- Tejada won the MVP of yep. the league that year, but you not, wouldn't
2: know it. Not cast in the movie. Yes. Nope. No, No.
1: Um,
2: but hey, Scott Hatterberg, gotta get him in the picture. But in this great scene, Billy Bean points to Peter Brandt, and do you remember what he says?
3: Oh my God, I should Um, tell me because I'm Andrew.
1: He gets on base. He He gets gets on
2: base. base. Yes. So I want to recreate that. I want to recreate that and talk about the point guard position. I love so, John. When I point to you, (laughs) what do you ever to say? I want you to say attack the rim. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Attack the rim. I have listed some point guards here and I've looked at the seating in terms of um, where they were in terms of drives per game. I want to start with Chris Paul because we all know that in 2020, Leon Rose really wanted Chris Paul. Yes. Chris Paul didn't want to come all the way East. His family was West. The sons we talked about were really good in the bubble. He saw an opportunity. And he went. I looked the last four years because that's also when Jalen Brunson was drafted four years ago. Chris Paul, 22nd in drive in drives per game uh, in the 2018, 19 season. So four years ago. Okay. Yes. The 2019, 20 season. It's bold. All the numbers that are bold. If you're looking are the seasons before or during where, the Knicks, where that player was of interest for the Knicks. Ah, okay. that's,
3: that's the coming out. All of the players yes. we're looking at. We, we should just say that. So we're looking at a chart with drives per game in the last four years for Chris Paul, Mike Connolly, Alfred Payton, Derek Rose, Kemba Walker, Karis Levert, and Jalen Brunson.
2: Correct. So the fact that Chris Paul was 24th in drives per game, there's a theme there. Yes. What does he do? Uh,
3: he, he, he drives to the rim. Attacks. Sure. He attacks attacks the
1: the guys. Yeah, when I point
3: to you, yeah. I'm not as good an actor as... uh, What's his
1: face? Jonah Jonah Hill. Hill. Jonah Hill.
2: That's all right. Um, Same with Mike Conley. There was some hubbub that he might be available. He was 27 uh, in drives for game the season before the Knicks were reportedly interested in him when he was a free agent. Are there other reasons why the Knicks were interested in Mike Conley in addition to Chris Paul? Yes. 100%. But John... What does he do?
3: He attacks the room.
2: Yeah. Alfred Payton. Remember how angry we were that Alfred Payton was the signing and there were options like Jordan McLaughlin or Shabazz Napier, all these other guys. Oh, I remember, remember the experience. Shabazz Napier. Yes. It was a it was an awful time because the Knicks struck out Terrible. on the two guys I just mentioned. And then there really weren't a lot of trade op- uh, candidates. So uh, it was a weak free agent here. Alfred Payton, I don't want to rehash all the bad that he did and does but he does one thing really, really well. He doesn't do it well after he gets to there, but he does one thing well, John. What does he do well? Uh, He attacks the rim, John. He attacks the rim, John. That's it. I hate that that's the only reason why the Knicks brought him back, but it pretty much is. Um, And then we can talk about the fact that the next season, when Alfred Payton wasn't working and Dennis Smith Jr. wasn't working and Emmanuel quickly just not the type of player he is, although I will add that last season... After the all-star break, Emmanuel quickly did drive 10 times per game. Yeah. I think that's a super important thing to remember, which is why I do think it's not totally, totally out of the um, realm possibilities possibility. He's a starter, but it, if anything, it just shows that he's becoming the type of player at the point guard level that he needs to be to eventually get to where he's going. Uh, that's just a side note. But Derek Rose, he did something. Does a lot of things, a lot of playmaking, pull-up shooting. um. Just a good veteran. But what what does he do, John? Uh, He attacks the rim. He attacks the rim. He was seventh overall when you filter out for, you know, players who like barely played or anything that season. Seventh overall with the Pistons in that first year. And then the next season, you have Kemba Walker. And now, if anything, because we, I probably should have noticed the fact that it dropped precipitously, but love is blind. It's a homecoming for Kemba Walker. He's available. It's It's whatever. Kemba Walker in the 2018-19 season, eighth in drives per game. The next season, 38th. The season after that, 53rd. So clearly we knew going in, yes, downhill, the struggle. He then finished last season, 81st. Also, I should mention that uh, hilariously enough, Alfred Payton this season didn't really play um, that much, but it's just really funny to see he was 139th in drives per game. That's literally the one thing he does. And he was 139th. That's all he does. Yeah. But he barely played whatever, but that's the thing. Kemba wasn't going to be a good option. That's something we should have recognized at the time, but 53rd is still, well, he's clearly losing gas, not exactly where we want him to be, but that's maybe he rebounds. He's had time off. Didn't work out that way. Karis LeVert. Actually, let's go back. But again, John, what is what did Kemba Walker do but no longer does?
3: Once upon a time, Kemba yes. Walker attacked the rim.
2: Mm, bingo. Karis LeVert, not a point guard, but he drives consistently. In fact, you're getting him on the upswing. The rumor was Evan Fournier and the Mavs first for Karis LeVert. Now, whether the Knicks wanted to then flip LeVert to the Mavs, uh, for Jalen Brunson, because the Mavs were also interested in Karis Levert and didn't win the sweepstakes for him either. The, the Cavs won him. Uh, I don't know. But Karis Levert went from 23rd to 15th to 17th to 14th in drives per game. Why, John?
3: Uh, be- because he attacks the rim. Bingo.
2: And our last player. So, Jalen Brunson, 68th. 75th and 69th. It's nice, but it's not great. Need better. Interestingly enough, in his age 25 season last year, 19th overall in drives per game. And I think the factor here is you might be thinking, well, it's a contract year. Why is it that he didn't do a better job? And he just grew into it. He just, he was a downhill player. He was a really good player in college, two time champ at Villanova, but just simply it clicked. And, and also it helps that he had a new coach specifically uh, Jason Kidd who kind of figured out a better way to use him than his previous coach and Rick Carlisle did. And I think that made a lot of difference. So I don't think it's like, Hey, contract year. He's just going to flatline. I think it's more, we're finally seeing who the real Jalen Brunson is. And what does the real Jalen Brunson do, John?
3: Uh, I mean, he does a lot of things, but the one thing I know he does Mm -hmm.
2: Is attack the room. Ugh. Perfect. Now, another thing Jalen Brunson does. True shooting percentage. I want to talk about this. This was really painful to research. I hate that I had to research this, but I did. Why? 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 What is, why did you hate this? Well, I looked at the average NBA guard's true shooting percentage every year since 2010, 2011. <laughs> and then I looked at the Knicks guards, how they did on average. And then I looked at Jalen Brunson. Why would you do this to yourself? Why would I do this to myself? Because I wanted to illustrate how good Jalen Brunson is in terms of his true shooting percentage, which better than effective field goal percentage, because this takes much more uh, threes and whatnot into account. So if you are watching this, you will see that pretty much every single year, the Knicks finished their, their guards finished below average. I mean, We're talking about some years where it was mostly like 27th, 28th, as low as 30th. The best year was the 2010-11 season. Finished um, 1.6 points above average. And this,
3: by the way, I mean, we could even just expand it. Like the Knicks ranking in effective field goal percent. I know this is true shooting percentage, but any
2: shooting metric you want to find. It's low. The the Knicks ranking of the last decade is pretty piss poor. Yes. Um, But if you look at the first season that Jalen Brunson played, 54.9. That's 0.5 above average for NBA guards. It's also three whole points higher than what the Knicks had. The next season, 55.3, 0.2 higher than the average NBA guards. This is the average for NBA guards is from StatMuse. The other things were from NBA.com stats. Um, But 55.3 was 6.3 points higher than what the Knicks provided, which again, that's a low bar. Don't get me wrong. The next year, his best true shooting year, 61.8. That was a full six points higher than the average for the NBA. <laughs> it was 7.4 higher points higher than the Knicks. And then last year, 58.3 for Brunson. That's 3.3 points higher than the average for NBA guards. And it is, if I can do the math in my head, and I think I can, 4.6 points higher than what the Knicks guards had. Sounds right. So we're talking about a low bar for the Knicks, but the reason I have the average for the NBA for guards is to show it's not just focusing on, well, the Knicks are so bad that anyone would practically make them look better. No, it's that a legitimately good player can make them better and focusing in on that. And
3: just really, just very briefly on this and it kind of goes hand-in-hand with this. Um, We, I wouldn't say we, NBA fans who look at at stats, I think sometimes oversimplify things um, in terms of like, oh, this player has this efficiency without taking into account maybe whether they're playing against starters versus whether they're playing against the bench um, and a number of other factors. The thing that I want to highlight with Brunson is that in addition to being incredibly efficient, he is also self-creating a lot of these looks. So if you are doing a lot of self-creation and just, again, going by cleaning the glass, he was assisted on 39% of his looks in uh, two years ago in Dallas and last season. He was only assisted on 36% of his looks. That ranked in the 84th percentile for combo guards league-wide. So put another way, basically, he was better than 84% um, of combo guards, roughly 80% of point guards in terms of how many shots he created for himself. So the fact that he's doing that and he's this efficient, uh, you know, I, I don't know how high I see one of like the considering volume, you know, uh, self-creation like if efficiency. He's amongst like the top 10 guys in the NBA at that particular aspect of the game. You know, he's Again, I, I don't know how many different ways we could say it. this is not some guy. This is not like a, a, a mirage. He's
2: good. He is. He absolutely is. Well, let's talk about why he's even available. So why is Jalen Brunson an <laughs> under- agent? <laughs> you can thank Leon Rose because the Mavs signed Jalen Brunson to a four year deal. Um, and basically it differs from the Mitchell Robinson situation because years three. Well, year three was non-guaranteed for Jalen Brunson, which means that unlike with. The year three being a team option for or non-guaranteed for well, no, it was a team option for um for Mitchell Robinson. Basically, if the if the Knicks had made Mitchell Robinson a free agent last year, he would have been restricted. If the Mavs had made Jalen Brunson a free agent last year, he would have been unrestricted because it would have been a non-guaranteed amount, not an option. That's the key difference. If Leon Rose was negotiating that, am I saying that Leon Rose had this up his sleeve the moment he inks the contract? No, it's very weird that the Mavs did agree to this deal. It doesn't really help anyone. They probably just thought Jalen Brunson wouldn't amount to anything. So it's fine. We can just be cool with it. But that is why he was never going to be a restricted free agent. It's a small but important detail for why he was not hitting the market last year. He would have been an unrestricted free agent last year. And you just know that the Knicks would have signed him instead of doing other moves that they made here. Yeah. Why would Brunson leave? This is the probably the most important question. Because he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, connections only go so far, right? His dad's on the coaching staff. He's close with the Leon Rose family. Why would he leave? You could say that Dallas has the advantage. And I don't think that's unfair to say it at all. In fact, I think it'd be unfair to say opposite. Dallas can offer him the extra year. They can offer him the most money. They can offer him uh, 8% raises instead of 5% raises. They can do a lot. They don't have taxes or state taxes. Um, So you'd be basically okay if you're Brunson losing money that you could have made in Dallas by going to a place like New York. The question is if market's really that important to Brunson. You know I mean? Jalen Brunson might feel that he wants to be kind of considered the guy in New York. Maybe he doesn't get that in Dallas. Is that something that really matters to him? And then there's the question of, well, there's a bidding war. If it happens, the highest bidder wins, right? Maybe not. If if with the last question where Brunson, for whatever reason, because we don't know these people, he might have different thoughts than what might be considered logic um, because it's logical to him. And that's really what would matter in this case. If the Mavs come in with an offer that's higher and the Knicks naturally come in with one, with one that's lower, maybe Jalen Brunson says, I'm already securing generational wealth. I just want to go to the place I want to go to. I don't need to get the largest amount possible. We simply don't know. And I think that's the prevailing thought here of Yeah, actually, the Knicks could do something super sneaky, which is they could be paying Rick Brunson more than he should be getting. And then Rick Brunson (laughs) slides some of that cash over to Jalen Brunson. It's unethical, but it's totally legal um, because they're father and son. So Rick Rick Brunson agreed today (laughs) to a four-year $100 million (laughs) (laughs) contract. So, yeah, just things we don't know playing out here that are completely up to Brunson.
3: For my two cents, I listen. People could, you know, who uh, who who who's been shitting on the Knicks uh, of late, uh, standing on the and Reggie Miller. Sure, Good. all due respect. Uh, it's still New York, and I know I'm saying that as a New Yorker. It's still New York. That may not have appeal to Brunson. It still has appeal. You know, we'll we'll find out how much appeal it has to him to come and perform on this stage. And then the other part of it is you you mentioned already in what capacity does he want to perform? Are the odds better that he's going to make a finals and probably win a championship alongside Luka Doncic? Absolutely. Like the notion that the Knicks are going to be able to do what needs to be done to get them to a championship level while Brunson is under contract. It's like, it is less likely. I, I would argue than what Dallas has to do because, Hey, they were what? Two games away, you know, just uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but Brunson is never going to get that attention in Dallas that he would here to really show what he could do. And he seems like a guy that has a chip on his shoulder and may have a sort of career where he's like, I want to prove the most amount of people wrong about me. And if, if that is the case, I, again, I I think he knows that the better odds of that are here. Um, it will also require a certain modicum of trust in the front office and Tom Thibodeau. But again, that shouldn't be a problem because if Jalen Brunson doesn't trust Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau,
2: <laughs> then who the fuck does? Right. Exactly. And I, I think that's, that is exactly the thing to consider as well, where it might seem crazy. Why would he leave Luka Doncic? He likes to initiate the offense. seems Luka is a very heliocentric player. Not even seems. He is a very heliocentric player. Juice just straight in the league. (laughs) Yes, he does. Because the ball often finds its way into his hands. And it doesn't mean like, how could he leave that type of... How could he leave one of the best players in the NBA? If you don't enjoy necessarily playing with that player, mind you, the Mavs had a better net rating in the regular season with Jalen Brunson on the floor and Luka Doncic off it than vice versa. And it's not like 200 minutes versus 1,500. The minutes were actually very close in terms of, you know, net rating and one being on and the other being off. So were- we just don't know what these players like and what they want out of all of this. Something to consider. Uh, But here's the thing with Jalen Brunson. I can smell it from here. Jalen Brunson. Oh, it smells delicious, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Jalen Brunson is continuous soup for the Dallas Mavericks. If you're joining us now, you don't know what continuous soup is. That's (laughs) basically- That's your problem. Yeah, that's your problem. (laughs) But I'll be nice. I'll explain it again. It's basically a team that's over the salary cap that wants more salary to work with and they Find a way to keep that player, those players. Mitchell Robinson's continuous soup. Jalen Brunson's continuous soup. But the Mavs are in a tricky situation. First of all, they could have extended him. And I think that's another thing to consider. Rick Brunson, before he allegedly agreed to be on board with the Knicks, did an interview talking about how the Mavs could have extended Jalen Brunson twice. They didn't each time. And the reason? They didn't want to extend him because in the event that they wanted to trade him, it would might it might be better to just have him on that salary because he's not going to be on his new salary soon and the math might get complicated and all these things but they didn't they didn't trade him but they also didn't prioritize him and that might sting if you're a player who you've now set out to prove that you are worth well above what you should you know what you were offered or not even offered um but what was possible Maybe you don't want to stay there. I don't know. But right now, the Mavs are restricted to offering Brunson four years, $55.6 million. It's the same amount of money that Mitchell Robinson is eligible for until free agency starts. Um, that number basically starts at $12.4 million. When free agency starts, the Mavs can, not will, but can offer up to 25% of the salary cap for Jalen Brunson. That's $30.5 million. I do not see him getting that, but that is the most, same with Mitch. That's the most he's can, eligible for. Can I ask you something? Sure. Do you think Jalen Brunson thinks
3: he is one of the 35 best players in basketball?
2: No, I don't. But the thing, and I know where you're going for because it, this is the financial reasons for it. Correct? Like yeah. If he's getting paid as the 35 best player. Yes. The difference is that Two, three years from now, he's probably closer to 55, 60. Is Jalen Brunson at that point a top 60 player? I, I absolutely I, believe that.
3: I, I'm just making... So I, the reason I, I said top 35 is next year, as of to right now, there are uh, 35 players who are under contract for at least $30.5 million. That number um, may grow in terms of, uh, because there will be new contracts signed this summer and whatnot. Um, But let's just call it a 35. Like Jalen Brunson may not think he's one of the 35 best players in the league. Maybe he thinks he's top 40. Maybe he thinks he's top 50. I don't know. I think he thinks he's in the conversation, which is my long-winded way of of getting to the point, which is like, why wouldn't Jalen, if he hasn't already, why wouldn't Jalen Brunson go into the Mavs and be like, yeah, you could give me the max of what I I'm allotted to. And that's what I think I'm worth and say no and see what happens. And I just, I would, especially in light of what you just brought up about the interview with Rick Brunson in which he spoke openly about the fact that the Mavs had a chance to ink him for four for 55 and said, no, like if you're Jalen Brunson now, why wouldn't you go in there and demand? I'm again, not saying he's going to get it, but like I, I, would that shock you if he just, you know, is kind of like a little bit of payback is if that was his starting point in negotiations. Hey, if you don't
2: ask, you don't get, it. <laughs> you don't know. Yeah. And, and, and if I, 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 if, if I'm look, Leon Rose's son, who is his agent, I I am basically saying, yeah, let's start at a max. But, and the Mavs then say, Oh no, we're not comfortable with that. And then they work their way down because but, why wouldn't you start that as a negotiation tactic?
3: Here's. And then the other part of it is, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but like, if his market value at this point around the league, everybody seems to think like, okay, yeah, he's earned himself close to twenty-five. Fine. If you're Leon, I I hate to do it like this, but like, what's another five? I I I I no, I, I'm, I know what you're saying. I'm hesitant to go down this road because people listening to this are like, you really want to pay Jalen Brunson thirty million
2: dollars a year? I, you know, well, let's move on. <laughs> More on that later, but yes. Um, I want to highlight the Mavs payroll situation because um, it's a doozy, right? So, I mean, Luka Doncic, is, he's going to be making 30% of the salary cap because he's that good of a player. It's the Rose Rule. You, instead of making 25% max, which he would be eligible for because he's made all NBA and whatnot, he's going to earn 30% of the salary cap. It's a lot. You got Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, he's making a decline in contracts or descending contracts, but he's 30 years old and he's owed a lot of money and he hasn't been healthy. He just hasn't. Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, 29 years old, earning 19.5 million dollars. The year after that, 21 million. It's non guaranteed. Davis Bertans is owed 33 million dollars over the next two years. He's 30 years old. The, the christops tax, it, right? That's that's the price you pay for getting rid of christops Dorian Finney Smith. I think mean, this was a fantastic contract. Really Great good deal. player. Great deal. Beautiful. Problem is he's 29. Um, Dwight Powell, he's 31. You've got him as an expiring. It's $11 million. Reggie Bullock, he's owed $10 million. He's 31. He's owed 10.4 the next year, 10.5 practically. It's non-guaranteed. I have to think that they would pick it up barring some sort of industry, yeah. uh, injury. Uh, Maxi Kleba, $9.2 million non-guaranteed. That will get guaranteed and then he'll probably be extended.
3: And massive part of their team. Need to bring him back. Yes. Are you, I I, was going to say, arguably bigger deal to bring him back than Brunson. I won't go that far, but like Kleber's very important to what they do.
2: Yes. And then everyone else, it's like Boban, Trey Burke, Josh Green, Sterling Brown, Marquise Chris, and Frank Nealakina. if is brought back. That's what you're working with. It's all these players with a salary that is $3.5 million or cheaper. And so here's the thought process. If you're Dallas, how do you get better? How, as a team, can you truly build a contender around Luca? Because you brought this team to the Western Conference Finals. That's it is impressive. They did a they destroyed the Suns and made their way. Um, kudos to them. The question is how you can be sustainable. Because a lot of those guys I just mentioned they're twenty nine to thirty one years old. Uh, this is your window. It's right now. How can you get better? And on top of that, the Mavs have a lot of money committed to these players. And if you're Jalen Brunson, aren't you thinking, well, if the Mavs want to get better and this is the salary they have to work Uh, with. I know where you're going with this. What are the odds that I am a Maverick a year from now, two years from now, (laughs) three years from now? It's got to be ridiculously small because he's their best asset. And that to me is why I think the Mavs are willing to overpay. It's because they know that if there's a way to get another star around Luka Doncic, it's by trading Jalen Brunson, because it's not going to be Tim Hardaway Jr. Probably. It's not going to be Dinwiddie. It's definitely not going to be Bertans. They don't need to trade. They're going to want to keep Finney Smith because he's a good player. They're not going to get a lot of other continuous soup because Josh Green's really their only guy. Like they can sign a center with the um tax mid-level exception for like a little over six million, but that's not gonna bring them anything significant. And if Josh Green's not gonna be paid like $12 million, $14 million, then they they just don't have the runway to do it. And that's, that's then where the tax situation comes into play. If you commit to him, it forces the Mavs deep into the luxury tax. Um, they haven't really paid the luxury tax in years. And you could say, well, when they did pay it, um, Cuban was fine with it. But that was also before the system changed where the luxury taxes are now much more punitive for teams. The rates are a lot higher. So right now, the Mavs have $153 million in salary commitments, plus pending free agents as we said, the salary cap is $122 million. The luxury tax is 149 If they re-sign Jalen Brunson for $22 million, let's say they have $175 million in commitments. That's an additional $68 million in luxury
3: tax. And is it $22 for Brunson? Just
2: $22 million. That, that is a crazy high amount. And we have not seen Cuban be willing to do that. And so that's why when I see that the Mavs Do they have an advantage in signing Brunson? Yes. Do they have the leverage? Yes and no. Because you can talk about the fact that they keep Brunson and if Cuban's fine paying the tax, then so be it. This conversation goes out the window. But I also feel like the Knicks or another team like the Pistons could easily call Dallas's bluff and say, you're telling me that this team, you're willing to pay $68 million, for example, just in... Luxury taxes, alongside the fact that you'd have to pay $175 million in, in salary, I mean, that's over $240 million. That's a crazy high amount. And when you look at the teams that are currently projected to pay the luxury taxes, I mean, the Clippers are number one, they're $56 million in luxury tax bill. That's going to change because they're going to do some resigning, and then, you know, forget about that for a moment. Um, But even the Warriors, like, we're talking about, as things stand right now, the Mavs being one of the highest paying teams, maybe the second, maybe the third highest paying team in the NBA. And the cost to dump salary, to clear it, like if you want to dump Bertans, you're going to have to pony up assets. Assets the Mavs don't really have because they'd be better off using them to get a better player yeah. that is a star. But they can't do that. And the Knicks have a vice grip on their picks until 2026 is currently constructed. And they can't trade any picks outside of, going into this off season, 2029. So, and those picks aren't necessarily even that valuable because as they stand, if the, if Brunson comes back and the Mavs are a good team, they're late firsts. So where is the asset play for them? It's Jalen Brunson. He is their best hope for being turned into better continuous soup. It's why I just, it's not, they don't buy that. The Mavs want to bring him back. I do. The reasons seem nefarious. And I don't think Jalen Brunson's an idiot. I think he realizes he could have he could get paid and have his say where he wants to go versus get paid more money and get traded to God knows where against his will. And maybe he's not happy about that.
3: And if you're... So a couple things about just because you brought up the picks. Like, yes, we've seen deals constructed around a lot of future first round picks. Those are deals where those future firsts are likely to um, transpire after, like when the current core, like let's say the Nets and the Harden deal, like KD is going to be know, forty-two or something. When when the last of the picks to Houston, like finally, you know, it conveys maybe a maybe forty, whatever. He's going to be old. like the Nets may be bad by that point. We could go through other examples. Luka Doncic is, is twenty-three. Like, yeah, there's a chance he he forces a trade at some point, and like maybe a future distant Mavs pick turns into something. But if you're talking about trading for a, a top, top, top line guy, and you're trying to do it without including Jalen Brunson, that means you're talking about including the salary of like the guys you just went through Hardaway, um, uh, Bertans, like these are not good contracts. And even if you throw in all of your future draft equity, it limits what you're going to be able to get in terms of bringing back a real frontline player. Brunson is, you nailed it. Brunson is going to be the one is included and he's not going to have any say in where he goes. And like, by the way, who are the teams that usually wind up trading star level players who could like potentially be paired with Luka Doncic to form a, a you know, a championship core? teams that are not good.
2: And so where then, are but, they? Where are they often? W- where are they often? Mm-hmm. They're uh, often small markets. Yeah. Not, not places not place, place that Jalen Brunson want to go.
3: Yeah. Because the star is trying to get the hell out of there. So, yeah, no, it's... Um, That's the other part about the New York thing is it's like, at least if Leon wrote his freaking godfather tells him, hey, you know, um, we're going to sign you and you're going to be a part of this core and you're not going anywhere. Like, I I think he would be inclined to believe him.
2: Yeah. I also don't even think Leon Rose would necessarily say that. And I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I do believe that there is an opportunity down the road where the Knicks would trade Jalen Bronson. Obviously, the Mavs are considering that if they keep him and whatnot. The difference is, I think there are other options that the Knicks have where they don't have to deal Brunson if they wanted to find ways around it. The Mavs really don't have too many other good options to do it. And I think also if you are trading Jalen Brunson, realistically, I think that this front office would probably try to find him, like let him go to a location where he's more comfortable. Or If it happens, it's a few years down the road and it's when he's an expiring contract. And it's like, listen, it kills me to trade you, but this is a business we're getting a star in return and it's only a year that's there. I think if Jalen Brunson is brought back by the Mavs, there's a chance that he's wherever else he is um, two and a half, maybe three years, not a care in the world from Dallas's perspective. And I can't blame them. Um, I want to move on to other players. Because the big philosophy with Brunson is that he's not worth at least $20 million. So I looked at players from 2019 to 2022, and I tried to identify point guards for the most part, but some of that's a little debatable. Um, There's a good list. I looked at the players. If you see a percentage, it's the percentage of the salary cap that they signed for that year. And if you look in the parentheses, it's the amount that that percentage would be this season. So in 2019, Terry Rozier signed. It was a sign and trade with Kemba Walker. He went to the Hornets, signed for 18.2% of the salary cap. That would be $22.2 million in this year's salary. Um, Jalen Brown's a
3: better player than Terry Rozier was. He? he is. Rozier is also is not,
2: there. he's not a point guard. He was moved to the, to the two and much better there. Um, but even still, I think that was- Even still, Brunson's a better player. Yes. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, the enigma that is Malcolm Brogdon. 18.3%. million, not very much more. I mean, it's on average $100,000, pretty much more than Terry Rozier. Been hurt a lot.
3: And I was going to say, when Brogdon did a fantastic
2: interview with you um, and highlighted a lot of reasons why, like you're telling me with what Brogdon gave you, uh, Brunson can't eclipse that, especially the amount that he was making.
3: When Brunson is healthy and at his best, he's. But he's sure he's on par with, with Brunson. Brunson's healthier a lot more and he's more consistent.
2: Yes, he is. The next year, 2020, Fred Van Vliet got 19.5% of the salary cap. That would be $23.8 million this year. And so, you know, like I saw the Stein report that was, oh, well, what if Brunson gets more than Van Vliet's four years, $85 million? Makes sense. Yeah. The salary cap has moved up. I mean, two years ago, it was what? $109 million? Now we're talking about it being 122. So yeah, again, wages should be reflected as such.
3: And, and also you you have to exist in, in the world as it is, as I referenced before Fred Van Vliet, when he signed that contract, it, it was in a very, there was a very different perception about him than there is now as he's coming off an all-star appearance. Um, just like, the initial conversations about Brunson that were happening during the season when it was like, Oh, could this guy really get $20 million? That was before Dallas's playoff run. That was before Jalen Brunson went on and, and, you know, shown on the NBA's best stage. So like I, to me, like, okay, he gets paid more than Renfleet did then. Okay, fine. Like I, I have the same reaction as you. So what?
2: Yeah. 2021 Lonzo ball. 16.6% of the salary cap. That's $20.2 million. I know there are a lot of big Lonzo Ball fans who are thinking that's a steal. For me, I listen, you go back last year. I was always a little bit trepidatious about it. Uh, John, what does Lonzo Ball not do? Uh, it's active rich. Okay, that was a big reason. Um, but also the injury concerns. And uh, unfortunately, both of those things have kind of followed uh, Lonzo. Best so if ability like, is availability. Yes, it is. So if you're thinking like, oh, that is a steal. I mean, there was a reason why uh, he was hurt. He's been hurt. He's not, he's not the type of player we're talking about that Brunson is, no. um, but still $20.2 million. And as you said, best, abil- best ability, best is availability. And then we come to 2022 Marcus smart, 14.1% equivalent of $17.2 million. This is such a great deal. Oh, the Celtics awesome, right? did a phenomenal job locking up Marcus smart. If anything, the like if he hit the market right now, I think you could see a team like Detroit trying to offer him twenty five million so uh, dollars.
3: But why wouldn't? Yeah, they? As a, as He's a not exactly setter. the
2: he's not exactly the rim threat that they would be looking for. No, but um, he,
3: he's 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 one of one. He's like maybe well, probably a bad example right now. I was gonna say he's like, kind of like the guard version of Draymond in terms of like he has a very unique skill set. Like you look at the percentages, like yeah, he shot thirty three percent from three, but like. You're, I don't think you're that off base. Uh, I'm not he, even
2: saying that he, the value he has is $25 million. I'm saying someone would, would probably be yeah. worth that. Yeah. Like we're talking about eight and making a max. If smart were on the open market after this run, I think he'd get $25 million. I wouldn't pay $25 million to him, but I think some team would, um, But still, he lowers the threshold a little bit. That's okay. The next one is Terry Rozier, who got another... uh, He got the similar thing with... um, With Randall. With Randall. The quote-unquote max contract. It's not a max. It's 17.6% of this year's projected salary cap, which would be $21.5 million. Which, again, brings us to... like, You can pay Jalen Brunson more than that. It's not like, oh, well, other teams made a mistake. Why should the Knicks? That's just fair market value. And when you take the average starting salary of these... Six, I mean, five players, but six contracts. And look at their first year. In reality, it's $21.2 million. And again, that's smart bringing down that number. If you have ascending 5% raises with that as the first number, it's four years, $91.2 million. So, like, if anything, market value for someone like Brunson probably is closer to 91, maybe even 95. It's not outrageous. It's just the percentages that are similar to that of years prior but people don't necessarily think about it that way and then the and whole that's conversation market can collapse it's in on itself that is market value yes yeah
3: which is no. again when when you're talking about free agents it's like there is a built in they're going to get a little bit more than yes, than market value so keep that in mind